0: In the name of Jesus, we ask you to show up in force by the mighty power of your Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, to uh, just cause your angels to be around this place. We pray every spirit of darkness will be pushed back. We ask, God, that we'll have open heavens, and hearts will be healed, saved, and delivered in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Okay, Isaiah 43. Verse 19 says this. This is our theme verse for the year. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I'm gonna know you can miss it just being preoccupied. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers and the dry waste land. So our theme for 2024 is all things new. I'm gonna give you some new things. I know I can. So today, I want to focus on some things from our past that have kept us from living in the new life that God has called us to. And these are things that have followed us, paralyzed us, and haunted us from living in God's best. I believe this message today will provide some internal healing when it comes to yours and my identity. So uh, I think it will bring healing for things that you can't Forget. I believe God wants us to clear out the old way of thinking, so we can make room for the new way of thinking. I like the way Pastor Cameron said it last week. By the way, give Pastor Cameron a big hand. He did a great job last week. So proud of our guys. Proud of our team. Second Corinthians five seventeen says this: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now that word uh, new is the word kynos, and it means brand new, fresh, never been done before, or never been used before. So he said, our spirits are made new when Christ Jesus comes into our lives, and as he comes into our spirit, we are born again, and we have brand new, fresh uh, spirits, that have never been used before in the Holy Spirit. So I want to take a moment and introduce to you a new ministry that we're going to be offering here at HCC, and it's called uh, Living Well Ministries and Love Life Ministry, and it's a ministry to help people with unplanned pregnancies. By the way, this is Pro-Life Month, if you didn't know that. So through this ministry, Harbor City Church is now called a house of refuge along with Emmanuel Baptist and Calvary Chapel. And here's our statement. It's gonna be on the screens here and you can read along with me. Harbor City Church is a house of refuge. This applies to everyone in this church or people you know that need a place of refuge. Here's what we believe. If you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, please know that being pregnant is not a sin. And the child you carry is not a punishment. It is a blessing. God is knitting this child in your womb. You may have made a sinful decision or choice that led to this pregnancy or you may have uh, even been sinned against, but we want you to know that you are loved and we will do whatever it takes to help you carry and care for this precious child before and after birth. We can never... Yeah, come on. That's... We can never support or encourage a woman to have an abortion because the child you carry is made in the image of God and is intrinsically valuable and loved by God. You need to know uh, how we will respond. So here's what we won't do. The church family will not gossip about you, shame you, or abandon you. This is a house of refuge, and we will not allow for the family of God to harm one another with words or actions contrary to the love of God as revealed in his word. Here's what we will do. We will do everything in our power to remove whatever obstacles stand in the way of you having this child. There are people in this church ready to mentor you, throw you a baby shower, and connect with uh connect you with resources inside and outside of the church like like love life and uh what what's it called heart and hands yes so With that, we will also hold men accountable for living out their calling to provide and protect women and children. How many know men are responsible as well? All right. Finally, if you have ever had an abortion in your past, we want you to know that that abortion is not an unforgivable sin. Whoever confesses and forsakes their sins finds mercy. If you have never gone through a post-abortion, Bible study, we will be happy to connect you to one so that you can walk in complete healing and freedom. Yes. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Yeah. Now, the reason for this ministry is because after salvation, many of us still need healing from what we can't forget. And uh, we need transformation in our mind, our will, our emotions, and our bodies. See, we have to move out the old thinking so we can move in the new thinking, which brings new communication and new actions. Let me say that again. We have to move out the old thinking so we can move in the new thinking, which brings new communication and new actions. How many know that comes by God's word? All right. Now, I've found over the years one of the biggest struggles in our Christian lives is a struggle with shame. So on your notes, you can write down this definition shame is a soul crushing identity warping emotion let me say that again shame is a soul crushing identity warping emotion I'm sure most of us if we look back in our childhood can remember the first time we felt shame I remember when I was about six years old there was some change on the counter and uh, it was no- quarters, dimes, nickels and pennies and uh I knew that I could buy a candy bar of some kind for five cents back then. Wouldn't it be nice if it was that way now? Anyway, I took the nickel, and uh, I walked probably a block down the road to this little country store and bought some candy. It was probably M&Ms, but anyway, I bought something. And I remember, how many know when you, you sin, you don't want anybody else to know? So I ran into my bedroom, and started eating my candy alone, all by myself. And my mom opens the door and sees me with my candy. And the first words out of her mouth were, where did you get the money to buy that candy? I go, Mom, I stole money off the counter and I bought this candy. I went down to the store and she said, shame on you. That was dishonest. And that was the first time I remember feeling shame and regret for letting her down. Plus, I was afraid she might tell my dad and he might spank my behind. So, I was all of that fear there. Now, there's a difference between guilt and shame. So, you can write this down. What is guilt? Guilt is, I did bad. And we've all done bad. Shame is, I am bad. And what we do is we connect connect what we did with who we are. So, I did bad. Therefore, I am bad. He uh, he rejected me. Therefore, I am nothing. After, or, or she rejected me, whatever it might be. After what I did, I am worthless. And after a while, you start believing I am bad. I am worthless. So fast forward in my life to fifth grade. And a certain person brought home some picture magazines. And uh, I won't say his name, but he's related to me and he's my brother. All right. And we studied Miss March thoroughly. Then my dad decided to play some old records. Well, that's where we had hit the magazine and others in between the record slots. So he came in and realized he didn't have just records in there and he caught us. And I remember having this overwhelming feeling of guilt and shame. Then move forward to sixth grade a year later and I tried smoking. The problem is, let me just say this. That was with my brother as well. He always talked me into things that I wouldn't <laughs> done on my own, but anyway. So we tried smoking, and I just want you to know, if you smoke, there's something you people need to know about people who don't smoke. They can smell the smoke on you, <laughs> just so you know. So Pinky and I come walking into the house, and my mom goes, have you been smoking? We said, no, 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 Mom. She said, yes, you have. I can smell it on you. we wanted to say, well, we've been around our neighbor. His name was Bob Dittman. We've been around Bob. Bob's smoking now. Anyway, she said, no, we finally confessed. And she washed her mouths out with soap. And once again, I started thinking, I am bad, but I don't want anyone to know that I'm bad. Some of you may be carrying a secret today. Maybe an addiction, and you don't want anyone to know about it. Maybe some of you have told a lie and gossiped about somebody, and uh, you you're you're just like when I see them, I feel this guilt and this shame. I just want you to know there's something that can make you probably feel better. I read this statistic the other day: Uh, Americans lie four times per day. That should make you feel better. I think that includes Christians. I'm just saying. Well, apparently nobody feels better. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> now, Or maybe you've had an abortion, and you feel if anyone knew, they would reject you, and you feel this shame. Uh, you, you, you start thinking, I am bad, I am worthless, uh, what would they think of me? In other words, if they really knew who I really was, they would reject me. So you connect the what with the who, and before long, you are thinking or putting words on it like this. I am broken. I am damaged. I am flawed. I'm dirty. I'm ugly. I'm impure. I'm disgusting. I'm unlovable. I am weak. I'm pitiful. Uh, I'm insignificant. I'm worthless. I'm unwanted. I don't know about you. When you, if I wasn't a Christian and I hear all those words, I'd think, "Man, we need to get a, we need to go to the local bar and get a drink and turn on some country western music." That's when you start hearing all that stuff. But that's what shame does to a lot of us. So Proverbs eighteen twenty one says this: "The tongue has the power of life and death." And I want you to hear this morning, the words we speak over our own lives are just as powerful as the words that others have spoken over our lives that are negative. So what it leads to is shame-based thinking. And when your identity is colored by something you did and you start to embrace a negative you and adopt this you, you adopt a shame-based mindset. So let me give you the three big ideas that I've gotten from counseling over the years that impact us. Number one, when we have shame-based thinking, we are vulnerable to perfectionism. We attempt to silence our shame with an air-free performance, and we find it difficult to admit failure. So we try to silence the shame by trying to perform at the highest standard, and we are saying to God and others, look, I'm not that bad, I performed it, I'm, I'm okay. And shame-based makes us vulnerable, or shame-based thinking makes us vulnerable to perfectionism. Number two, we are critical of ourselves making us critical of others. When you have shame-based thinking, you become very hard on yourself, which in turn makes you very hard on other people. And what happens is we see our faults mirrored in others. We become judgmental of others and are perceived as self-righteous or arrogant. And when you see that coming out of others, often they are dealing with some very real, very dark, very secret shame And what they do is they reflect their own weakness and see it in other people and lash out because they hate the very thing that dwells within them, all right? Now, thirdly, when we have shame-based thinking, this is what happens. We use self-defeating thoughts as a form of protection and escape. What we do is we focus on the worst possible outcome and we say, This bad thing is going to happen, or they're never going to like me, or I'm going to fail at this. And through our own self-defeating thoughts, we end up sabotaging uh, opportunities and relationships. So let me just say this. Today, it is my deepest prayer that our God would do a healing work in yours and my life for what we can't forget and set many of you free of the dark and devastating emotion of shame. My prayer for all of us comes out of Isaiah 54.4. This is God speaking to Israel, and I believe many of us today. He says this, fear not. Say this with me. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Read that whole line with me. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There's no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. Now let me read that again, and I want you to internalize and feel the power of God's word in your life. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There's no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. As Christians, we don't have to live in the shame of our past. So this morning, I want you to meet, well, you already know them, but I want you to hear from Eric and Melanie Linseth as they share their testimony of overcoming shame.
1: Good morning. Um, We would like to once again thank Pastor Doug and Lois and the leadership team at Harbor City Church and all of the staff for being so encouraging and supportive of us through this whole journey that we're about to embark on also. And also thank all of you for praying for us, um, not just today this morning for our nerves to calm down, but um, before this. And if you've ever prayed for us, we really do appreciate your prayers. Um, As we stand up here today and share with you what we're about to share. We just want you to know it's not gonna be easy for us to talk about this, and it's probably gonna be hard for some of you to hear what we have to say. As Pastor Doug said, we are Eric and Melanie Linseth, and this September, we will be married 35 years. (laughs) About 25 years ago, we had two unexpected pregnancies, and due to our circumstances, we made the decision to terminate both of those pregnancies. And at that time, we thought we were doing the right thing. Afterwards, we never talked about it to anyone, not even to each other. About four years ago, after we started attending Harbor City Church, Mike and Vicki Burgess stood right up here on the same stage where we are today. And they shared the story of how abortion impacted their lives. And during their testimony, we began to realize the shame and the guilt that we had been harboring for so many years. Then in 2022, after Roe versus Wade was overturned, our son came home from Seattle for a visit and he brought up how he couldn't believe that Roe versus Wade had been overturned. And that discussion prompted us for the very first time to tell our son that we had personally knowledge of the impact that abortion has on people. And within a month of that conversation, God began calling Eric and I into pro-life ministry. But for over a year, I ignored that call. And as you know, God is patient and he is gentle. And he kept calling until we finally approached Pastor Doug and told him that we were being called into pro-life ministry. And we knew that God had forgiven us, and we thought that we were good. You know, we're solid. We've been forgiven, and we've walked through that. But after giving God our yes to pro-life ministry and talking to Pastor Doug about it, the Lord began to heal Eric and I individually on a level that we didn't even know we needed. But God knew we still had things buried. And walking through through those additional healing processes not only broke off chains associated with abortion, but our marriage grew stronger in that process. God turning what the enemy meant for evil into something good is what brought us to here today. And before we continue, we'd like to play a short clip for you.
2: What you're about to hear are the sounds of metal BBs striking the side of a tin can. For every BB that strikes, it represents 10,000 lives lost in the wars of America's past. The American Revolution... The Civil War, World War One, World War Two, The Korean Conflict, The Conflict in Vietnam, September Eleventh, and the War on Terror. since 1973, The War of the Unborn Child. One in four women who attend church on a regular basis have had an abortion. It's not only the pregnant woman that is affected, but also husbands, boyfriends, parents, grandparents, siblings, and friends. If I asked everyone in this room who had been affected by abortion to stand up, the number of people standing would be heartbreaking. Our son didn't have a lot to say while we were sharing our story about abortion and the impact it had on us. But on his drive back to Seattle, he called us and said, all I could think about when you were telling me was, I'm so glad you chose to keep me. Abortion affects everyone it touches.
1: If you're offended that we are standing up here and openly talking about abortion, or if you're sitting there feeling condemned for your part in one, and you wanna run out of the room, That's exactly why the church has to talk about abortion. To lower the percentage of women choosing abortion, the church needs to step up and surround people who find themselves in unexpected pregnancies. Choosing life would be easier for people if they had a faith-based community of support. Pregnancy is beautiful. And a pregnant woman, regardless of her age or marital status, should feel welcomed and loved, not judged.
2: In Luke 1.41, the Bible tells us, the first person to recognize Jesus was an unborn child. We want you to know that as the House of Refuge representatives here at Harbor City Church, we will help connect you with resources during your pregnancy and after the birth of your child. And as the founders of Living Well Ministries, we will also stand with those in need of hope, healing, and restoration as you surrender to God and allow him to begin the healing process.
1: God's word tells us in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. In Psalms 127.3, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And the Bible tells us that we need to love our neighbor. It doesn't suggest it. It's a command. We need to love our neighbors, and as Christians, it's our responsibility to stand up and protect unborn and vulnerable children, whether that be by supporting unexpected pregnancies or by voting against the laws that go against God's law, because if we don't do it, who will? So we have literature in the lobby um, on the local pregnancy center that is in desperate need of volunteers and we also have literature um, if you are wanting healing on a deeper level and want to take a Bible study to walk through and get rid of shame. So thank you.
0: It takes great courage to do share your life like that. I'm so grateful for Eric and Melanie and I'm excited about this ministry in the days ahead. We don't have to live in shame and here's why. First John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's good news. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation, the old is gone. God separates our sins as far as from the east as from the west. He does not hold them against us anymore. <clears throat> There's, it also says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our good God forgives us and remembers our sins no more. And if our God is that good and His forgiveness is that real, then why do we often still live in shame. Here's a key. One of the reasons it is hard is because it becomes part of our identity. So a great example of this is the uh, uh, Israeli people who were slaves in Egypt for 430 years. So imagine generationally, you're born as a slave, your parents are slaves, your grandparents are slaves, your great-grandparents are slaves, all the way back four centuries plus 30 years. So their identity becomes, I am worthless, I am nothing, my life is not valuable, I am simply a slave. And if you know the story, God raised up Moses to be a deliverer for Israel to free them from their slavery. So God takes on Pharaoh through his servant Moses and eventually Israel wins their freedom from Egypt after those four centuries. But what really happened? Well, what happened is they were free outwardly, but most of them were still slaves inwardly. They were a slave to the shame of their identity uh, from the past. Let me say it this way. Though they were out of slavery, slavery was not out of them. Another way to say it is, though they were out of Egypt, Egypt was not out of them. Though they were free physically, they were not free in their hearts and spirits. And this is the problem so many of us have. Though Jesus has forgiven our sins and he's made our spirit new, the bottom line is this. Because our identity is not yet grounded in Christ and in his word, we are still living with shame-based thinking which holds us hostage living the life Not living the life Jesus created us to live. So, if you're taking notes, write this down. You are. Many are still believing something that God says you are not. Shame-based thinking that warps your identity. My story is like this. I'm not ashamed of my past anymore, but I know I've made mistakes, and I know I'm forgiven of all the mistakes I've made but I still battle shame-based thinking from time to time. I re- Remember we said at the beginning of this message, we all fall into this kind of thinking. I did that, so I must be that. And my dominant shame-based thought is, I'm not enough. I'm inadequate. No matter what I did, it, it's never going to be enough, or no matter what I do, it's never going to be enough. I'm not good enough. I am inadequate. And that is distorted, shame-based identity that often plagues our lives. So fast forward to today, and I'm the husband of Lois, the father of two amazing daughters, two sons-in-laws, the grandfather of eight grandchildren, and I am honored to be the pastor of this amazing church, and I'm asked to speak at several other churches throughout the years and also do funerals and weddings. So here's where I get into trouble. Every single week, I disappoint at least one or two people or families. I can't meet with them when they want me to. I can't be at that function when they want me to. I can't be at that wedding or do that wedding or that funeral. So it reinforces this shame that I am not good enough. And so this doesn't happen often but it can happen and that is i'm going to prove this what happens to me i'm going to prove to all these people that don't like me now that that i'm going to work harder i'm going to try to be more available and i'm going to prove to them that i'm good enough anybody relate to this so the question is where does your shame based thinking take you and then you can write this down what's the solution The solution is the only way to heal from shame is to move the focus from what I am not to who Christ is. Let me say that again. The only way to heal from shame is to move the focus from what I am not to who Christ is. Whenever you are focused on yourself, you're going to come up short again and again and again because it might actually be partially true or true. So... I'm, I'm going to probably get up in your business right now, but this is what I'm going to say. You might think I am a bad person. Yep, you probably are. Just saying. You are a sinner saved by grace, and I like what Pastor Jimmy got me in my office after the first service and said, uh, I was a sinner, but I'm not a sinner anymore. Well, here's what I want you to understand. I'm a sinner saved by grace, but once I get saved, what am I? I'm a son and daughter of the living God. That's what I am, and we need to say that. So you might think you're bad, and you were bad, but you don't have to say my identity is not in that. My identity is in who Christ says I am. So if you think you're inadequate, you probably are, but you're not in Christ. If you think I'm pathetic, you are. Without Christ, you are. But with Christ, you're not. You're strong and able to do what he's called you to do. If we focus on ourselves, we will always come up short. And that's why we have to move from pointing to ourselves and point to Christ who says who I am all right now uh, I, I've got on your notes name it something different and this is a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Jacob and a lady named his wife named Rachel and uh, if if you don't know this, Jacob eventually had his name changed to Israel, which is Prince of God, all right? But in this story, in Genesis 35, uh, Rachel was having difficulty having children. She had one son named Joseph, and she's pregnant with a second child, and it says this, in verse: Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And then verse 17 says, and as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, "Don't despair, for you have another son." So in other words, you look like you're dying, but it's okay because you're going to have a son. Crazy. but that's what I was kind of saying. And then verse 18, as she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben Oni, but his father named him Benjamin. So the name Ben O'Ni means son of sorrow so she named her child son of my sorrow which is completely understandable when you're in the si- in the moment in the situation she's thinking i'm never going to be able to feed my baby i'm not going to be able to watch him take his first steps i'm not going to be able to watch him grow up so in the moment which is very true and real f- to her but also to many of us she names her son, son of my sorrow. Now when you think about this story, Rachel's not the only one grieving. Her husband Jacob is grieving as well. And if you know the back story, Jacob worked 14 years for this woman he loved. When you've worked a long time just to get the woman, uh, that's quite a feat. And uh, that means he really, really loved her. I would have worked for Lois for 20 years if I had to. She was the love of his life and his best friend. And as he's losing his wife, whom he treasures more than any other person, as she is taking her last breath and wants to name their son, son of my sorrow, Jacob goes, no, no, no. That's not gonna happen. Because what may be true in the moment won't be true Forever. I want you to hear this. What may be true in the moment will not be true forever. And the Father took what was and named it something different. The Father took what was and named it something, something different. And if you don't like the name others have put on you or the names that you put on yourself, let the Father in heaven take the those names and let them become something different that he calls you. And if you're taking notes, write this down. You don't always get to choose what comes into your life, but you can choose what you call it. You don't always get to choose what comes into your life, but you can choose what what you call it. So on your notes, I left the sins with a couple blanks. And this is where you gotta get to work. This is where you gotta get honest. This is where you have to get over your shame-based identity. This is where you have to become transparent and let your guard down and let God and others in your life and say this, I need your help, I need healing, I need a new identity, just like the lincest did. And on your notes it says, because of Christ, I am not. I am not inadequate. Because of Christ, I can do all things. Here's some other examples. I'm not bad. Because of Christ, I am forgiven. I am not sick. Because of Christ, I am healed. I am not broken. But because of Christ, I am I am brand new. I am not disgusting, but in Christ, I am loved. Christ in me is more than enough. So we move our focus off ourselves onto Christ and that is where we start to get healing. And remember the Israelites I just talked to you about, 430 years in slavery. They are out of Egypt, but in their minds and hearts, they are still bound by the slavery of the past. The shame of Egypt Wasn't out of then. And God says something in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9, that I think we all need to hear today. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today, say that with me, today, uh, not tomorrow, not after three years of counseling, not after you've paid your dues, today, because of our good God, because of his presence, because of his power, because of his grace, I want you to know through his Spirit, today God says, I have rolled away the shame of your slavery. I want you to hear that. Today, I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. No more shame. Someone said, shame on you, but God says, shame off you. And rolling away means you're not you are not, you're not who others say you are. God's rolled it away. You are who he says you are, and you've got to believe that with all your heart. You need to understand and embrace this. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are not what someone else did to you. You are not what others think of you are. Uh, you are not who you think you are. You are Christ, who, who Christ says you are, and take your identity as a son and daughter of God. So... If you're in Christ, you are free today. You're forgiven today. You are changed, redeemed, healed, blessed, chosen, complete, and accepted. You are a child of God. Let's stand. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe today you're carrying a secret. You made a decision that was something you regret. Maybe you hurt someone. Maybe you failed. Maybe you made a choice that you wish you could take back. But I want you to know this. God says in Isaiah 54:4 again, fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of the, your youth. You are not what you did. Now, Maybe some of you are like me this morning. You've had some shame-based thinking that's polluted the way you think, and you live and talk, and you have to constantly go back to the Lord and say, Lord, put your blood over my life. Help me to see that I am your son, your daughter. Take that condemnation off of me. If you need healing today for what you can't forget, I'm talking to you, believer and unbeliever alike. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you need that shame-based identity removed from your life, raise them high, don't hold back. This is when we let down our guard, become transparent. Lots of us, lots of us. So Father, you see these hands and I ask you Lord to remove the guilt the shame, the condemnation. I'm asking you, Lord, to show us who we really are. We are uh, saved by your grace through faith. And Lord, today we embrace the work of the cross. We embrace who you say we are. We are sons and daughters of God. And I pray, Lord, every time we're tempted to get back in that shame-based thinking that you will come and remind us of who we really are. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed, every eye closed. Some of you came in here today and maybe you've walked away from the Lord or you've never given your life to Christ. I want you to know you're not here by accident. And maybe even to those of you who are watching online, I want you to know the first place to start is with Jesus as your Savior. He's your Savior. He's your healer. And you know that he's talking to you because the Holy Spirit's been drawing you and you can feel it inside your heart constantly. And you know today he's saying, give me the old so I can give you the new. And if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in just a moment because today is your day to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. So if that's you right now, raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm coming back to Jesus or I need Jesus in my life. Raise him high. I see that hand, I see one, two, three four five six seven okay that's all that's good stuff let's all say this prayer together by the way you're not doing this on your own you're coming to christ but you're also coming to the family of god we want to help you serve the lord with everything we've got so say this prayer with me father god thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son jesus to dine my place I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Okay, if I can have the prayer team come on up. If you gave your life to Christ today, if you need a new identity, if you need healing, if you need, if, if you just don't, maybe you're feeling the shame of an abortion or whatever it might be. Don't be afraid to get healing like like the lynces did. So they're here to pray for you. There's also uh, a table out there for you to check out afterwards. But uh, let's just sing a prayer or sing a song and get some prayer.